Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Mentor. This week's guest is someone in the business of business coaching. Marcus West has been a coach for over 25 years, working with salespeople on how to be a better presenter. One of the things he hated was people not having anywhere they could rehearse their pitches and get feedback in between sessions. So he's created a business called 60 Seconds. It's designed for salespeople to be able to work with their managers or their external coaches to improve their sales process. We're going to talk about how the business works and who is jumping on board and the challenges of building a business in the coaching and training sector. And more importantly, how to get the tech platform to work for you. So let's get into it. Marcus West, welcome to The Mentor. Thanks so much. Now, you're a business coach. Explain to me, it's a new phenomenon to some, explain to me and to our listeners what a business coach is, exactly what do they do. Yeah, well, look, I mean, um, in terms of the coaching that I deliver, and it's not specifically around uh, business, it's more to do with presentation skills and how people position themselves uh, in the workplace. So essentially what we uh, what we do is to help media training, storytelling, pitching and presentation skills uh, for a range of corporate clients and also individual clients, sports people who want to become uh, commentators and uh, uh, people who want to be on TV, things like that. So politicians, a uh, whole range of different clients really over the years and essentially it's all about helping them develop uh, a nice strong personal brand and be able to say things uh, that make sense. And you, what's your background? Theatre. Yeah. yeah, so I was a. My father was a headmaster. My mother was an academic. I went into, went into teaching for for ten years, and then uh, after that, essentially uh, decided I'd go out on my own. And um, I had an arts business that developed scripts for theatre and film, and offers uh, 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 writers an opportunity to develop new Australian work. Obviously, that doesn't make enough money to put uh, food on the table for the family, so I thought I'd better uh, develop another business, which was all around helping people to present better. Right. And, and is, is there a big demand for it? I mean, obviously, yeah. you know there are people that are shit out presenting, but is there a big demand coming to you, like people coming to you for that type of work? 
Yeah, look, I think I um, I was fortunate enough to start in a in an area, where, you know, start with people who worked in television, and I think uh, that kind of appeal of working in television meant that I was able to pick up other work in the corporate space, which was obviously slightly less uh, sexy or whatever adjective you want to use, and so people sort of uh, you know uh, came to know me as the, as the person that developed TV talent. So anything that involved uh, a person on screen was something that I sort of became known as a bit of an expert for. So what do you do, lock them up and down and sort of say, you know, change your look or do you uh, change your stance or, you know, project differently or what do you... What do you look for? Yeah, I suppose the I, I suppose at the core of it, you know, we we, we try to help people to be authentic. And uh, you, you mean know, what does that mean? Be themselves, or yeah, well, that's 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 a tough question. Yeah, be themselves. I suppose you want to be able to look at yourself on uh, on screen and go, "Yep, that's me," as opposed to "That's me pretending to be somebody else." And um, so no so, method acting. No method acting. No, no, no. That's it. No method acting. Well, I think people uh, people grow up hearing a particular, you know, most of the work I did was in news and current affairs. So people have a particular style in news and current affairs, probably from the BBC into the ABC into commercial TV and voices sound a particular way. And so people then, when they get the opportunity, when they're 22, 23, to be on air uh, for the first time, they tend to project this kind of uh, rather sort of silly, over, over overdone kind of news style. And, and that needs to be... Uh, that needs to be knocked out of them, essentially. So that's uh, you know a lot of the work I did. So, yeah, I can because I, I listened to the Triple M team up to, upstairs, and uh, they are totally themselves. Um, there's no coaching going on there. No, I think I think you're right. Commercial uh, commercial radio. I think people on radio they they it's all about how much you do in the end. And when you do with television, you do. 80 seconds worth of content and you're doing about 20 seconds of that 80 seconds. So really that's not very much to kind of really cut your teeth. Radio, you're doing potentially hours worth of talking each day. So you just it, you just hit a bit of a rhythm and uh, you end up being yourself because there's nowhere else to go, I think. you know. So why is your business called 60 Seconds then? That, I'm intrigued. Yeah, so the 60 Seconds part of the business is a is – a, um, uh, 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 the sort of next progression of, of the coaching. He, he, over the years of coaching, I was pretty frustrated uh, that that I didn't see measurable, palpable improvement out of the back of coaching. And uh, I think a lot of that. Sorry, in your business or or, or, yeah, or with the people you're coaching? I think in general, presentation skills and messaging has often sit sat in the area of personality. Uh, you know um, these these kind of uh, sense of humour, th- these kind of things that aren't really uh, uh, things that you can train. Uh, but my view was that if you actually worked on the things that you weren't good at, you would get better, like anything else, like sport, anything else. But of course, people would uh, work out what they needed to do to improve to be a better communicator. But the problem was they wouldn't go away and practice. And so I thought I have to create a, a solution for them to be able to practice in their own time and for me to give them feedback remotely so that they can actually incrementally improve over time. So you're the mirror. Sorry? You're the mirror. Yeah, a little bit of that. So I they mean, speak you know. into something and you're... Yeah, they speak into the into an app, and uh, there's a person looking at them, smiling yeah. back at them, and uh, there's an auto cue that scrolls if they need a script, and uh, essentially they work on messaging pertaining to to business, or perhaps it's uh, you know a story they're telling, or I can provide them with text, and we work on specific things around body language and voice and messaging. 
Right. So just take me through it then. So let's say I want to um, engage your services on your online app. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me how I go. How, how do I go about it? Yeah, so it's a business-to-business solution. So essentially my uh, corporate clients that I train, I, lo- I log them on the system, they download the app, and then normally what I do is to select um, a couple of pieces of text for them to work on which will target specific weaknesses that they have. So a common one might be somebody who uh, lacks authority when they present. So I'll g- I might give them a, a speech by Abraham Lincoln that they need to work on to practice delivering a message that has some weightedness and impact to it. And so essentially they will open up the app and the, the, the script will be in there for them and they can set the speed of the auto queue and they set their iPhone up or their, or their tablet and essentially they look into the camera and press record and they do their delivery and then they watch it back and then they do it again and essentially they can do it as many times times as they like and the whole idea is that it encourages repetition it encourages rehearsal and encourages practice so that the version that they send through to me will actually be the 13th or the 14th version that they do instead of the first version so that, that's interesting because uh i mean all you, you're sort of doing here is using not all you're doing but you, you're using electronic media to be the mirror that a lot of people used to Rehearsing. I remember when I first started doing my ads, when I was like, it was a long time ago, um, I used to get, they give me the, the script and um, they give it to me a couple of days before and I would rehearse because in those days I was pretty nervous. I'd rehearse in front of the mirror. Mm. And uh, just because that's what they told me to do, just keep doing it. The producer kept doing it. They said, you just keep, the director, whatever, just keep doing it over and over and over and over and over again mm. until I got to a point where I got bored with myself. But effectively, <laughs> what you're saying is to do that. Yeah, but you're you're going to opine on on their output. Yeah, absolutely. And so that that's specific to my clients. But then there's obviously a whole lot of companies that are buying the app and using it uh, within their own firms to drive improvements, specifically around sales. That's the that seems to be the area where uh, that remote sales coaching is where people are using the app sort of independently of me. So I don't do any coaching. They do the coaching themselves. The frontline managers coach their own sales teams. So so I, I, for those people listening to this, let's say um, someone's setting up a small business um, and uh, potentially they want to go and see an investor or they want to go see the bank or um, they want to go to see somebody who they want to pitch their product to us and or service to, how would they use your app in their application and what they're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So... At the moment, we're right in the middle of a development sprint, which is going to allow a uh, consumer version of the app to be accessed on the App Store. At the moment, the app is only available to businesses where we do enterprise deals. Now, by January, individuals will be able to download the app and use it you know, in, uh, uh, at their leisure and essentially be able to send via email links where people will be able to, friends and family will be able to, or colleagues will be able to review what they've done, review their elevator pitch per se, yeah. and uh, give them feedback on it. So, yeah, look, definitely the consumer sort of aspect of things is something that we wanted to uh, go after, but we had a lot of interest uh, from businesses to build something specific for them. So that's kind of what we've been uh, focusing on over the last couple of years. Yeah, it's great. Because it's interesting because um, I know people go for jobs, um, get very nervous um, about how they should pitch themselves mm. when they sit down in front of the potential employer. Um, and 
people sort of don't quite know how to go about it. You think it's sort of pretty obvious, but they don't think to themselves, let's stand in front of the mirror or get my brother to listen to me or get someone to listen to me. People get a bit embarrassed about that sort of stuff. Sure. And I guess in the world of acting, that's nothing to be embarrassed about because you're rehearsing all day long mm. until you get it right. And you've got all your colleagues around you saying, well, that was shit or that was great or wow, you nailed it. Um, and, you know, I can see a future in this, um, particularly at the consumer level, the one you're developing now. Um, I can see all sorts of people wanting to have access to this and, and the opportunity to get feedback. Because sometimes we don't actually want to get feedback from our friends because we think, oh, I'm a bit embarrassed. I don't want to say this in front of my colleague or whatever. So you can be like an independent feedback environment too, I guess. Yeah, look, part of the uh, um, the the idea is that we'll have a, uh, a virtual coach component. My Because I've got the background in, in theatre, I have a lot of friends and colleagues uh, who I work with who are essentially actors and, uh, you know, they have uh, – we've, we've worked on an idea where somebody could actually ask for an independent coach to give them feedback. So that's part of the uh, part of the offering. So I think – Sort of like an upsell, like, uh, you know, they come in, they get the app and you, you say, would you like an independent coach to review this? And that you, kind of you, thing. And you have coaching – recruits a bit like a sort of a um, an uber for for coaches kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so it's a it's a it's a because often i think getting feedback you know I, I will say to people who are working on tv for example you know everyone will want to give you feedback mm. and you you'll just get confused because everyone's got their own opinion so take feedback from a your executive producer because they're your boss and they're going to mm. you know work work out what they're going to deliver you in terms of work have if, if your wife or your partner uh, watch you, make sure they give you feedback as well. I'm sure they will, and that's probably about it. You know, you've got to be able to review what you do and, and make up your mind about it without too much input. Otherwise, you'll just end up thinking too much about your performance, and that's probably the worst thing you can do. And what about watching your own, uh, giving yourself feedback? In other words, watching your own, uh, you know, reviewing your own stuff. Because I mean, I, I just know that when I used to do the TV show. Um, I was much better when I watched what I did the next on the next episode because I said, God, I'm not going to do that or I didn't look at the camera properly or I didn't look at the contestants properly, et cetera, or I didn't articulate my words or I was slurring because I was mm. tired because you just get tired in these environments. You just become unaware of how, how you are. Mm-hmm. So my own review was very important. Is it important for people to review the, their oh, own absolutely. pitch? Yeah, very important. I think. Look, I think there are two modes. You've got you've got to be able to reflect on what you do. And frankly, I've never met anybody in my years of coaching people for television who who've, who've liked watching themselves. Nobody likes watching know, themselves. Weird. Back. It's totally yeah. weird. It's a totally weird experience. So yeah, you do. You, it's important to reflect. But I'd also find that on the other the other side of the coin is when you're delivering, you've got to be in the moment. You can't be thinking about how you're presenting then. It has you have to be concentrating on the on your co host or on the camera or whatever it might be. You know, you, you can't be thinking, you know, am, is my energy right? How does my voice sound? You don't want to be doing that because that just means that you're going to be self conscious. Yeah, it's just, uh, some time ago, about a year, oh, I think it was two years ago now, Uber actually asked me to do a what they called Uber pitch, and um, what it was was that um, you could get download the Uber app onto your mobile phone, go into the, um, the the website Uber website and actually choose what they call Uber Pitch, and you could um, book a car to pick you up on the corner and you could get into the car and pitch to me for seven minutes and I give you seven minutes feedback. And by the way, in twenty four hours we got ten thousand ten thousand people sought to get picked up and I can only I needed 57 people as it turned out but <laughs> 10,000 people 
but the interesting thing about it, this is the number of people who wanted to pitch their idea. This is just in Sydney, by the mm, way, mm. Uh, great, uh, in Greater Sydney. Um, and we only we didn't advertise it to market. We just did it through Uber. Mind you, they've got a big web, um, big database. But the thing that I noticed about the people pitching to me, probably ninety nine percent of them were poor, mm. poor in content, poor in how they delivered and how they addressed me. Um, all nice people. Everyone was lovely, but. Very few people actually got me interested in what they were talking about. And, and I'm sure there was a lot more really good content there, but I just didn't quite get it. Mm. Like I either didn't understand what they were talking about or the content wasn't presented to me in an exciting way or – and then he had seven minutes. And seven minutes, by the way, is quite a long time. It is. It's quite a long time. Mm. So there's a massive market for this. And I, I remember some people then sending me videos in. They would you um they they do like a YouTube video. Send me a video of themselves on their mobile phone or they, off whatever device they use to record themselves, and then have a, something that they're trying to show me something they may have invented, but they wouldn't even have it in the screen. <laughs> and they're trying to tell me about something that they're trying to present to me. I don't even know what it was. I'm trying to look look sort of trying to look over the screen. It's impossible to find <laughs> out what it was. But so quite interesting. So that there is a lot more to pitching in terms of doing it properly these days than we ever expected. And pitching is a much more relevant thing today than it ever has been in the past for some reason. I don't know what it is. Everyone's got a good idea and everybody needs to pitch it for some reason, even if you're just pitching the idea just to get feedback as to whether or not you should prosecute the idea. Mm. In other words, mm. get into it and execute on it. You know, like some people just have these great ideas. People come in here all the time with this podcast with great ideas. And if I could see it on a pitch... I've got more chance of making the decision here through our production guys to whether or not that individual should come onto the show. Mm. Um, so I think you're you're onto something here. This this pitch process and the si- salesmanship or salespersonship of your pitch, your content is bloody critical. Yeah, no, no, it is, and I think I think it's it's an interesting point you make about the uh, about the clarity and the uh, the impactfulness of the delivery. You know, uh, even in even in our own case, I the the idea that I had with with this app and where it is now significantly different. You know, and uh, that's all sort of part of the process, isn't it? Finding out evolution, yeah, finding out if there's actually a market for it at all, and then when the users use it, what they think of it, and how you can change it based on you know actual real people using it. You know, so it's uh, and in terms of those those sales conversations that you mentioned. I think now after, uh, you know, four years of going out, going around doing, you know, 20, 25 meetings a week, I think now I'm, I'm, I'm quite good at um, expanding on what the offering is, working out where the customer's pain point is and attempting to provide a solution using the uh, technology for that. But uh, it took me uh, a number of years. You know, the first mistake was that I would go and talk about myself for the, uh, for the first 45 minutes and wouldn't <laughs> shut up and, uh, you know, of course, learned a, bit, a little bit about the, the, the process of listening and, uh, you know, establishing rapport and understanding need and qualifying the, 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 uh, the sales uh, target and things, things like that. And then working out whether or not what I had would be of any use to them, and and if it was, how to talk about what I had in a way that would get them interested. And it's actually, yeah, it's quite an art, really. It's um, it's not something that you can just wake up in the morning and suddenly start doing. You've got to have the benefit of experience. Hence the reason why there's so many sales training companies, I suppose. But uh, yeah, no, it's a very, very, very interesting process. And obviously, sales is the you know, engine of, uh, you know, commercialism around the world. It's incredibly important. And, uh, you know, being good at it 
uh, I think a critical part of being good at it is, is, as you say, making sure those key moments in the conversation, be it handling an objection, closing or outlining a, a product pitch, those moments need to be delivered, you know, with confidence every time and that's sort of the point of 60 seconds. It's, it's sort of um, interesting, um, I don't know, as you were speaking, I was thinking about a whole lot of stuff and, uh, you know, like the if I was a violinist – and I needed to pitch my piece that I was doing on a particular time to my audience. Um, it's not just a matter of being being able to read music and play a violin. You have to really understand the piece. So whatever it is you're playing, let's let's say you're playing some Mozart or Chopin or whatever, and uh, you needed to um, you needed to have practiced it many many times. And of course. The theory, this 10,000-hour theory of, of the hours of practice, because as you were speaking there, you told me it's taken years to get your pitch right. Um, the, the concept of being having done something for 10,000 hours in order to get it pitch perfect mm. is very important. And so it's not just about how I appear, whether or not I've downloaded something quickly. It's about, I mean, I guess you teach this, it's about understanding your segment back to front. In order then to cull out of it the f- four or five things that you need to cull out of it in your 90 seconds that you're going to get to pitch or your seven minutes, where you get it, whatever it is you're going to get. Yeah. How important is that part, the structure? Uh, it's incredibly important. And I think the, you know, people will often say, you know, why, 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 have you, why are you calling it 60 seconds? What's the, you know, what's the point of that? And I, my view is that you should never be talking for longer than a minute in a sales situation. You're talking for longer than a minute, though, though there's absolutely no chance that the person sitting opposite you is listening or understanding mm. what you're saying after 60 seconds. So being able to be concise is incredibly important. And also, and then getting getting the words right. You, the, the musical metaphor is an excellent one. A musician will look at a piece of music and obviously sit down and practice properly, you know. And a, a musician would never look at the sheet music and nod their head and go, well, that's me rehearsing. But that's what people do with speeches, don't mm, they? They kind of correct. go, let me just jot down a few points, imagine what it will be like, and then the first time I'm actually delivering it is in the moment, which, of course, means you're not going to give yourself a great chance. You know, you ought to be practising out loud, you know, on numerous occasions prior to when you uh, uh, get in front of your, your audience, whoever that may be, audience of one or audience of 500. And, that, and what you're talking about here is the rhythm of the pitch, which yeah. is like the rhythm of a piece. I mean, I play music, I play the piano, so I know that the rhythm of it is, I don't mean the, the rhythm as set out in the, in the music, sheet music, I'm talking about the rhythm of what you present. Um, and once you've got the rhythm right, and you've got to practice that, that rhythm is really important. As you say, minute segments or 45-second segments is really important to, and to be able to watch your audience too to see how they're responding. But then the next part of it comes down in, in music as well, in your pitch, is the story. Mm, I just mm. want you to tell me a little bit about the story. Actually, why don't we go for a break because the story is really important. So we're going to go for a break and when we come back from the break, I want to talk, you to talk to me about the storytelling part of a pitch, how important that is. Hi, I'm back here with Marcus. Now, Marcus, I want you to t- tell me about something. Like, this is really important, the art of storytelling, because like it, we were talking about earlier about, you know, the presentation of a musical piece to an audience. Um, when you're pitching, you're presentation, presenting something to an audience, a different type of content you're presenting. We talked about the rhythm of the presentation, you know, the timing, etc. But what about the art of the storytelling? Yeah, well, story, 
you know, the most important thing that a story has to do is is evoke emotion. You must have an emotional response from an audience, you know, and uh, that's the most critical aspect of, of, of any story. And even if you're doing something that's quite a dry sort of business idea, you still need to be able to convey a sense of excitement or passion or opportunity in the listener. And so there are there are so many things that, that, that go into making a great story. Structure is incredibly important, having a beginning, a middle and an end. <laughs> Having a having a character in the story that might be yourself, uh, you know, when you're telling telling your own story, and that character has to have a, a journey of some description. You know, they have to overcome obstacles. They have to, you know, understand something about themselves that they didn't. You know, at the, at the beginning of the story. You know, there must be some sort of character arc or or sense of progression. You know, those sort of things are are, are very very important. And as you say, there's a, there's a rhythmical element to to story that uh, you know is 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 really important to capture. And in the practice of developing that, you begin to sort of understand you know how the story is progressing, the shape of it, and uh, and 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 where you're taking it. You know, obviously, ending a story is probably the uh, the hardest thing to do. We all we all watch television and film and things like that, and we will almost you universally say, well, I was a bit disappointed by the ending, you know, yeah, so yeah, if we can yeah. find a, uh, and I always say, when because I, I coach a lot of corporate storytelling, I just did a very big job with uh, with with KPMG working on their um, uh, uh, directors who want to become partners and they need to be able to tell their story. So essentially present a CV, but in an interesting way, not dry dot points, but a compelling story that takes the audience, you know, in their imagination on a journey. And uh, that, that's a great process for people to be able to engage with who they are, what they can deliver, what their experience shows in terms of, you know, how they can bring value uh, to the business and to their customers. And that's interesting because, you know, like salesmanship is about all of that. Mm. And I mean, I, I love the um, reflection on the theatrics of salesmanship or the theatre, probably better enough, but the theatre of salesmanship because all the good salesmen that I've known in my life, and I'm not talking about people who are actually selling a bottle of water or something. I'm talking about, but they can be that, but they, they're people just selling concepts, ideas, um, visions uh, about what they can and can't do. And it doesn't matter if that's what they end up doing. As you said earlier, these things evolve into something else anyway. They just want you to chase that rabbit down the hole. And as you dig and dig and dig, you go different directions. Sure. You'll finally find the rabbit, hopefully, or at least have fun <laughs> digging, finding, looking for the rabbit. So, but the, the, the concept of theatre around it, the most compelling salesmen that I've ever and women that I've ever met in my life have this tremendous theatre, and I can't put it down to any one particular thing. They don't look; they all look differently. All these people, it's got a lot of them don't even have any theatre training, but they've developed this innate ability to deliver theatre to the conversation. Yeah, it's look, a- I mean, you, I mean, you're you're from the theatre. Could you explain to me what it is that I? I see, and I don't can't articulate myself. Well, I think there's a really uh, Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, I think it was his book. Uh, I was either Blink or I think it may, may have been Outliers. He uh, uh, interviews. Um, it could have been the Tipping Point. Actually, he interviews a guy who was one of those famous uh, American, you know, infomercial steak knife selling guys, you know, for years and years and years and years. And he said, you know, every time this guy got on air, the sales would just, you know, spike because he had this incredible capacity and theatricality and delivery and engagement with the audience and all that sort of stuff. And uh, the the insight that he gave in terms of, uh, you know, what made him a great salesperson was that he said, well, I always make the product the hero. So it was kind of this interesting uh, observation that it wasn't necessarily, it was sort of a self 
lifeless thing almost. He was there. He was the sort of, uh, you know, the, the, the vessel that was presenting this thing. But in the end, it was the product that became the hero. And that was why, you know, he was able to make so many sales so effectively because people became, you know, fascinated by, you know, what this, you know, vacuum cleaner or whatever it might be could offer, you know. That's very interesting. And, uh, or, and if you're just pitching an idea, you've got to make the idea the hero. Mm. And maybe a, a, in all good theatres or soap operas, it's good to have a villain mm. because <laughs> you, the hero can only be benchmarked against the villain. Um, so I pr- presume the villain is the problem. Yes. And the idea is the hero was the solution. So, you know, we often say this to people when they come to me with these new ideas and do the show, for example, I say, identify the problem. I mean, mm. could be sort of saying to them, identify the villain for me um, and identify the solution um, because the problem solution, that's the hero and build it up mm. and, and then put a story in between. Yeah. How you arrived at it or what were your experiences, the 30, 40 people that you knew were suffering because of this problem and you then brought them a solution, whatever the solution may be. Sure. I mean, is that what we're talking about here? Yeah, look, I mean, I, 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 that's 100% and, and that's a very, very simple uh, structure, isn't it? You know, so and, a, and to use to explore the, uh, the musical metaphor a little bit. So, you know, we, we explore the... Uh, uh, the problem in the minor key, and then you know we come into the major key for the for the solution. You know, and I think that pe- people like that yin and yang. They like that balance, and and really, in ex- and, if, and if you can explore that problem, and that's a problem that the listener has, and empathise with them in that, get them talking about it, venting their concern, frustration, whatever it might be, then you you're identifying with their experience that's in, that's that's more important than talking about your product really they a lot of people in the days of the internet you know most of the time when you go into a meeting the person you're talking to will probably already know most of what it is about your product so therefore you need to be able to identify what their challenges are far more than you need to be able to pitch your product that's not to say that the pitch isn't important but i've actually found that they know what the product is pretty much. So they're much more interested in, in case studies. If you can say, yes, we gave it to this company, didn't work very well to start with, then we did these three things and suddenly the uptake was greater and the results were better and we were delivering value because of these reasons. But you don't actually really need to go in and do a massive product pitch. If you haven't, if you haven't established a need or, or, or engaged and built rapport with the client and understood their perspective, then you're never going to get a sale away. Yeah, because they're not interested in, in what your issues are. They're interested in their own issues, of course. Naturally. Now, <laughs> we've just thought, you've just talked about the problem that you know, and you've given us the solution that to, to pitches, etc. Let's talk about the delivery. Your, your own delivery. So your delivery is through a technology platform. Can you explain mm-hmm. your platform? Tell me how that all works. Yeah. So essentially the, the platform is an app and the app uh, brings together a range of uh, steps which start with a specific situation that may be set by the person themselves or by a coach. So it might be who are you talking to, what are you, what outcome are you trying to achieve, and maybe what are some keywords, and then essentially that that may be pushed to you by a manager or maybe something that you set up yourself. The next part is you come into a scripting part where you develop some key sort of talking points that you might explore. And then you rehearse. So once you've worked up those points, you rehearse. Now, the rehearsal part is voice only. 
Because once we start videoing ourselves, we're not thinking about content anymore. All we're thinking about is how we look or if we're going a bit bald or whatever the, whatever other sort of uh, physical sort of things we might be thinking about. So you've got to rehearse the words first, the message, to make sure that it makes sense. So you do a verbal recording locally on the device. You listen to the words back and make sure it's a nice mixture of, of uh, conversational and authoritative language. And then when you're ready, you can submit that through to a coach for feedback around your messaging. And then when the coach gives you approval, you can then go back and start delivering your video, start practicing the execution, the delivery of it, make sure you're using pause, make sure you've got an appropriate amount of energy in the execution. And the other part is you can also go into the gallery and review what your peers are doing. So you can see, you know, why is Bob in WA so great at positioning product X? Or why is Joanne in Melbourne so great at handling this particular objection? So you can actually go in and you can copy one of their scripts. They're all selling in different parts of Australia, so it doesn't really matter, or the world. And you can review what they do and you can copy what they do. So that we're seeing a lot of clients get a lot of benefit in terms of onboarding. You're training somebody up and it takes them six months to be market ready. If you can make that three months, that's, that's enormously beneficial to the company. So that's a big part of things. The, the real part that I think is going to transform the way that we the, the way that we uh, train people in the workplace is the fact that we can measure people's activity and we can measure their qualitative improvement over time or otherwise hopefully they're going to improve I think what we've seen for years is we've seen people hire out hotel rooms and they do they do training with people like me maybe even they get filmed and they get feedback and they get given three or four pieces of advice that are going to make them a 20% better communicator and then they go back to work and they don't do anything. You know, there's a famous German scientist called Hermann Ebbinghaus who came up with a theory in the in the 19th century called the forgetting curve. And basically the idea is, you know, 24 hours later, I remember some stuff. A week later, I don't remember very much. And then six months later, I've forgotten the whole lot. So the, we need a solution that is going to embed this change. You know, if I need to use pause to communicate with greater impact and weightedness, then in order to make myself use pause, if I'm somebody that rushes my speech, especially when I get nervous, that is going to take me 12 to 18 months of committed rehearsal, only 10, 15 minutes a day. But if you want to change the way that somebody presents, then you have to practice every day. It's like practicing a musical instrument. It's like practicing your your backhand in tennis. If you want to play a better backhand, you've got to hit a thousand backhands. And for some reason, I think presentation skills, salesmanship, it's always been seen as this kind of, you know, accident of good fate or, you know, dependent on somebody's great personality or whatever it might be. We can practice these things. And I think being able to introduce some metrics and some measurable evidence around people's level of engagement with their own self-betterment and being able to demonstrate that somebody is getting better over time, much like a personal trainer might do in terms of increasing somebody's upper body strength or whatever. In the same way, we set tasks based on people's weaknesses, we target those, and hopefully we see improvement month by month by month incrementally in the way that somebody communicates, which of course means they're going to be more confident, their message is going to be tied up, and hopefully they're going to sell more sooner. Yeah, I, 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 love, I really love the concept. What's, what's really important here that I'm getting out of all this is, apart from listening to you speak in the way you deliver yourself, um, because you do it in a very clear and concise way, and I notice you do the pauses, you do everything, um, which I guess um, coach needs to be able to do it himself. Sure. Um, 
But <laughs> what I find fascinating here is you put science around the art of salesmanship, no matter what they're selling. And what I and I don't mean like, I don't mean um, mathematical science, but there is logic around it all, and you're building logic into this process as opposed to people just being haphazard in the way they're going to do it. So, I mean, I, I'm a very first speech I ever made to a thousand people, I mean I've made speeches but to a, a big audience was for with Anthony Robbins in, uh, I can't remember, it was a long time ago and uh, I was terrified and I, I actually got myself a coach to come and give me a bit of hand to listen to what I had to say and I was practicing all the time and uh, and I must say that you know, since then it, it, it doesn't, I'm not daunted in any way whatsoever talking in front of a thousand people, in fact I love it, I enjoy it quite a lot but that I had to do something and I, there was no internet around at the time that's how long ago it was, and uh, and 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 there was no access to doing anything. So I went and bought myself a book of great speeches, and I just started saying, "Well, you know, what did Abraham Lincoln do, or what did uh, Churchill say?" And I mm. started reading all the speeches and trying to put this thing together for myself. And I'm and I know it was poor. I, I know relative to the way I would do something today, it was a poor outcome. Um, the audience didn't like it, but, you know, Anthony Robbins gets them all so hyped up. They'd like anything. I could have stood on my head for 10 minutes and they would have, <laughs> would have been thought it was terrific. But, uh, but it, it, it is – there was no logic. I applied no logic. I, d- I did have a coach. He was a great guy. But the relevance of what you're talking about is really important to me. It was really obvious to me too is the change, the evolution of the ability to make a pitch or make a speech today, the logic that you can now employ – by virtue of uh, internet and um, being able to access experts like you who have actually gone about and thought about how to put logic around a speech, logic around a pitch or logic around um, presentations is like really incredible. And I haven't thought about it too much until today. I I, I mean, I do it sort of naturally. I don't mean, I'm not giving myself rappers because I've done so many of them. Mm. I just become good of it by making a lot of mistakes over a long period of time. Engaging audiences take up or non-take up. Mm. Mm. And and I've just done it by trial and error. I haven't done it through purposeful practice for 10,000 hours, which is the Gladwell Gladwell (laughs) thing. Um, But I now know that if I had the access to the tools that you're providing through 60 Seconds – that really instead of me doing a spray gun technique, in other words, sort of spraying everything and hopefully getting the right targets, but being laser focused and practicing purposefully daily, mm. as you say, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, yep. in the car, wherever, yep. for a long period of time, I would get much better at it, much faster and probably or definitely much more efficiently and add better value to what it is I'm trying to do. Yeah. That's sort of what you're talking about, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think you, 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 to get back to the point of rhythm again, you know, they say a lot with musicians, with practice, drummers uh, are a good example, that the practice gets to the point where, they, where there's, vir- there's virtually no thought going into yeah. it any, anymore. It's just simply, you know, the muscles, the muscle memory. And essentially the same for presenters. To me, that's what you're trying to develop. You're trying to embed really deeply uh, a skill uh, that can be developed and should be developed and practised over time. Yeah, and and I can see the application for sportsmen, like you say. Like a lot of sportsmen, Brad Fittler was a friend of mine who was the most awkward person ever when it comes to speaking. Like he's terrible, Freddie. But now he's he's brilliant. and he's so relaxed about it. And mm. Freddie does it in he, only the way Freddie could do it. He hasn't changed. He hasn't tried to become Ray Warren or uh, Fatty Vorton or something like that. He's become. He stayed Freddie, so he's got his own content, his own quirkiness. Mm-hmm. But it's his own quirkiness with a delivery that's automatic. He, before, he used to look like he was thinking about what he was going to do and he was so nervous and it just didn't come out. And he's trying to be somebody else. 
developing yeah. that um, sort of automatum process where you just go, you know, you do it automatically. Like when if I'm playing a, a, a piece on the piano, um, if my if I practice it enough, my fingers will just go. Then then my brain starts to say, okay, Mark, um, be a bit more expressive in this part here, mm. or they're getting this bit. Let's get into that part. And your fingers are still going. You haven't stopped yep. anything. You haven't yep. you haven't done anything with your fingers. It's still You've doing got the time. Same thing. Mm. You've got time. It's yeah. It's like footballers. You know, people say about Andrew Johns, and they talk about uh, Darren Lockyer and Brad Fittler and all these sort of guys. They seem to have more time than anyone else in the football field. The reason they have more time is because they're so good at it. Their body's just doing it anyway, but they're thinking as they're running. Yeah, sure. You know, they're, th- they're thinking and, and everybody's sort of looking at them, watching them do it. Mm. They're sort of mesmerizing everybody with their automatic process. And that's what you're talking about here. Yeah. You can mesmerize someone in theatre with your automatic process and you start to take control. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, and if you and if you, uh, I mean, there's a there's a very famous um, selling uh, technique uh, called spin, uh, developed by a um, company called Huthweight, and uh, that actually revolves entirely around asking questions. It's got nothing to do with uh, a product pitch at all. It's just about a whole series of questions to qualify a sale, and the beauty of it is. And I think this is sort of building on that idea of uh, of rhythm and engagement is that when you're engaging with the person and getting them to talk, that's kind of, you know, that, that that's great selling right there, you know, because if they're talking and they're opening up to you about what they need. You've got and, me. You know, yeah. Look at me. You've got yeah. me today. <laughs> You've killed it. I, 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 look, Marcus, I think. I actually think what you're onto here, and particularly given that you're delivering in a technological way, so it's not, you know, you, it's like virtually impossible for you to, to do brilliantly if it's just you with me, just one-on-one. But if, if it's you with your business to thousands because mm. you're using technology to do it, I think you're on a great thing here, really thing, and I do. And I think that pitch and salesmanship and the logic around that and, as you say, the rhythm, et cetera, and the content um, is going to be a big thing of the future. Mm. I think this is a and, – and I like the, the sense of, you know, your background in the theatre – and even here, standing here listening to you, when you first came in, I thought, okay, who's this guy? You know, we're going to tell me about something called 60 Seconds. And I wasn't sure what it was. I thought it might have been a piss take on something on television, 60 Seconds, 60 Minutes. Well, I didn't, wasn't sure. And But listening to you and watching you move and talk yourself, if you can convey that through your website, through your 60 Seconds app, um, I think you're going to smash it. I really do. And uh, give everyone an opportunity to ask me a question. So what did you want to ask me? Yeah, look, uh, we're obviously at the point now where we've got beyond uh, friends and families' uh, financial support of this uh, initiative and we're looking in the first six months of next year to get a decent uh, amount of investment into this uh, product. And so I'm very interested uh, uh, in your thoughts around, you know, what uh, the key thing, a, a key thing, uh, inv- a, a potential investor will look at in a, in, in a slide deck, and maybe a question they might ask out of the back of that. Yeah, well, I, th- I think um, I think you got uh, I think you got to explain to investors today how important that the sales process has become. It's you know what I mean by that is the sales process has always been important, but the sales process or the the efficiency of the sales process become relative to all the other sales that are out there because there's so many things in the marketplace available to be sold today. Yet most people still haven't um, nailed the sales process. So and they, as you said earlier, they rely upon just general instinct or this guy is a 
just a pretty good salesman. And that's to me, that's not good enough to run businesses today or for the future, given the preponderance of new products and new services just coming up all the time. Mm. So your ability for 60 seconds to cut through and get to salespeople more quickly and make them um, much more efficient in what it is that they're selling, I think is really important. And I, I love it. I love the idea myself. And I think investors would love the idea. That's the first thing. Um, I think that's, I think the second thing you need to do is sh- show them where you sit relative to the competi- competition. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what is there out there in the competitive environment, but there, there would be, I would say, thousands of sales decks available. Mm-hmm. I would say so. Um, what's different about yours? And I really think that theatre piece is critical. I don't, you know, no one talks about theatre and I think theatre is the quirky but understandable difference and actually logical too. Sure. And then taking theatre and building around the logic of selling, the logic of selling. I think, see, investors are attracted to things that they don't normally see and deal with and they don't see colour, light, movement. They don't see theatre. So that's attractive, okay? Sure. But they sure. get a bit, uh, they ponder a little bit about that. And they think, oh, is this all bullshit? Sure. So then they, what they do like then is if you can somehow attach that to logic, because mm. they're very logical people, and use the right language, mm. science, logic, um, understanding, mathematics, arithmetic, you know, process, but just steep all that in, that, in, one, in one piece called logic, um, that'll, they'll buy in. Now, that's the most important part because investors are looking at hundreds of things every week, okay? Sure. So you've got to get the buy-in. Mm. Mm. Get the buy-in with the light color movement, theatre, and then you get the attachment with logic. You've got them. Then you sell them in. Sure. So then the selling will be about returns and all that sort of the usual stuff, you know, what do yeah. they expect to get down the track, et cetera, and how much money they're going to invest and what percentage you're going to give away and what's your enterprise value and all that other usual sort of boring stuff your, and your technology platform and, you know, now it's how robust it is. And, mm-hmm. you know, whether, but by the way, what's good about this is you're not saying I've got the world's best technology platform because the big problem with that is there's always going to be someone usurp you all the time, get a better technology pro- platform, cheaper, et cetera, and faster. That's not that important to you. It's more your content and your idea. You just need a delivery base. Yes. So technologies, they just want to know, make sure you've got one that works and it's mm. robust. Mm. So I think, you know, if you could – Get all those things in in line, and then push them into the, the to the venture capitalists, which I guess is what you're talking to, because you're going to first round sure. after family and friends. That's what I think you, you need to do, and I think that we and I, I'd get to them in February. February, yeah, because they're all coming back. They all had a holiday. There's not one available between you know mid December and you know, late <laughs> January because so they're not here. And get to them early. The, the game here because you know these guys have got in some cases, hundreds of millions of dollars to invest. They, they run funds mm. and they must invest the money. So they don't invest the money. They have what they call negative carry. Negative carry is no good because they've got investors they've got to report sure. to. So they've got to start the year with new investments and they're going to come back and they're looking for the new ideas, the, mm. the, the fresh ideas. So I'd be trying to get in front of them and say, I'm about to launch your new app to sure. consumers. I'm about to launch. I've worked the whole Christmas, the whole break on. They're thinking, oh, shit, this guy's been doing this while I've been sitting up in uh, Byron Bay sunning myself with my family. So you get to them, you, you're sort of loading them up. This guy deserves to be heard. He's got something with light-colour movement. He's got some logic. He's got me. 
then he's going to give me a, show me something that I might, I, if it, mathematical, like um, in a vesta sense of mathematical, if it works out and risk, if it works out, I should have maybe I should have a crack at it, or I should put in the top ten things that I'm going to look at for the sure. next couple of months. That's where I reckon you've got to go. Yeah, great. Thanks, Thanks for, for having me. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.